Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we look at the stories, situations, and conversations that lead up to the sermons that are preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. This is Pastor Perry. This is Father Tom. Welcome back, Father Tom. All right, uh, so this week we continue in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And last week uh, we had a, a verse that's very familiar that we often hear used at uh, wedding services. And then this week you're you're going to hear at the end of this reading some verses that might uh, be familiar to you uh, from a funeral service. So, go ahead. All right. So, from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which you also in which also you stand, through which you also are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaimed to you unless you have come to faith or come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God, that is, in, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrep misrepresenting God because we testify of God, testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile, and you are all you are still in your sins. Then those who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. 
We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must be must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think I've read that last particular stretch there at many a graveside service, and it always, it, it does feel like a bit of a mystery as we're standing there, and as often the sting of death is still very present and real um, to be saying, listen, here's your loved one um, in, in the casket uh, being prepared to be placed into the ground, but I have a mystery to tell you. We will not all perish. We will be raised from the dead. And it's so contrasting with the moment, and yet it's what we've been hopefully hearing our whole life long and, and what we believe, you know, as Paul says, if, if this isn't true, then we're to be most pitied. Then the, if, if Jesus was just a good teacher and he had some nice moral, moral things to tell us, um, then we're to be most pitied if it isn't in fact the case that he's raised from the dead. And this is an interesting place for Paul to jump to from starting off this letter to the Corinthians a couple weeks ago. We had, uh, we preach Christ crucified. You know, and so he really is emphasizing everything that Christ accomplished on the cross. And then he comes, swings back around here near the end of the letter and is saying, and yet if that's all that happened, if he didn't in fact raise from the dead, then there's still this enemy of death that, that we have to deal with. Uh, and the consequences of, of that, uh, he hasn't accomplished anything if in fact he hasn't been raised from the dead. And that's all the, the big log that comes at the beginning of this reading, Paul making his case of, here's the reasons you should believe all this. Let me lay out the facts for you and here's all the witnesses who saw this. Here's why you can trust what I'm telling you, what's been handed on to me. And that's, in some sense, uh, what we have is an account that's been handed on to us. None of us firsthand saw Christ raised from the dead, but we've got an account that's like had been handed on to Paul, is handed on to us. One of the things I like about this passage is that uh, parts of it sound like um, what I would call a spiritual autobiography. Um, and when I was in the process to become a priest, I had to write one of those things to <laughs> to an exhaustible extent. Um, and so it became a practice of looking over my life where God had shown up and trying to connect the dots. And I like that Paul puts in here his spiritual autobiography, puts in his story, and he sort of weaves it into the greater story of creation. I mean, we get the beginning and the end here, don't we? We get Adam, and we get Jesus raising us up on the, on the last day. I mean, that's, 
And Paul's like, and I'm right here in the middle. I mean, I'm not, I'm not that great. I mean, I mean, among the apostles, the very least. And I don't know if you could call that a humble brag or not, but, um, but it's, uh, it's. I think it's an important practice that Paul points out here. Um, and I appreciate. I mean, all the this is theologically loaded. So, um, but I just find myself how important. I find it important to make yourself conscious of how God has been in your life, where God has shown up, um, spending. Because you don't. Because if you don't look back on your life, and and if you're not intentional about honoring where God has shown up, you take it for granted. You. You wake up, you you know, you, you are confronted with a hard day sometime, and you say, well, God flakes again. God never shows up in my life. But if you, if you and maybe this neutral moment or a good moment mark that God has been in your life, and God's the reason that you are where you are, then, um, then when you're punched in the face with death or with uncertainty or with chaos, then you say, this is not the whole story. And I know that God has been in other chapters, perhaps more palpably, but maybe even most importantly, God is with me now in this hard moment. So as you were talking about Paul's history, his story, you know, and to, to go back and look at your, your story. Um, so we've been cleaning out the, the acreage where we spent a, a number of years and <clears throat> uh, this weekend brought home a whole bunch of, um, we'll, we'll call it historical documents and I was <clears throat> going through them and found uh, <clears throat> notes that Anne had written to me. You know, and so seeing those, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's how it was back then, yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and but but just to be reminded of that because you know, as as you grow older and you um, grow older with someone, you uh, forget about some of those those beginnings and the and the questions and the and the things that that you did and that you said and and it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's good to look at this and remember where we came from uh, as a couple but also to see some of the, the things that I came from as an individual, too. So, yeah, Paul makes sense. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if I'm there to say for me that Paul makes sense yet. But I think that both what you're saying about the autobiography and then, you know, Perry, you sharing about your, your history or where you come from, it helps me to go back and think about that and think about my story and uh, some of the things that have been amazing, some of the things that have been really big challenges. And I think Paul gets to the point here where he says, and yet if Christ isn't a part of that story, that story, whatever it is, however amazing or miserable or whatever it might be, without Christ having raised from the dead, that story comes to an end. And we're to be most pitied if, there, if our story isn't tied to this story that we believe Christ has has wrapped up his story in ours, uh, mm. that, that our life is with him in this life and in the one to come. So, and I, I thought it was interesting, Tom, too, how you were saying he's, Paul is kind of like, he's this guy who is very boastful, and yet he, he says, 
even in my most awesome moment, whatever was awesome, it was God's anyway. You know, he, he really wants the credit to be and remain in God's hands because, again, unless that's where our, the bottom line of our story lies, unless it's in Christ's hands, it, it ends in death. You know, that's, that's kind of what he's saying. Uh, is there's not a lot of greatness or, or hope to look forward to if it's just our story alone. Uh, and the other piece that really connected with me this time, hearing those familiar verses that are often read at the, at the graveside, I think it says, one of you are going to have to read it because I don't have the translation in front of me, but um, it's some, something about we put on Christ, or death is swallowed up mm-hmm. in victory. Uh, and there's something in the language there about um, putting on another life or even our life being covered up or even completely consumed in this, this victory of Christ. And so again, it makes me think of that. How do we tell the story about ourselves? How do we tell that same story again, but in light of Christ? How, are, how is our life really wrapped up in the life and story of Christ? I have some stuff about perishability and immortality yes. Yes. Uh, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality yeah so I'll share this quickly I don't know if this ends up in the sermon or not but recently my kids were just having a rainy day fun and went into my closet and wanted to put my clothes on to try my clothes on. <laughs> and I remember doing that as a kid too, trying on my dad's clothes. And part of that being just for fun, but part of it was like, I want to play what it's like to have this identity that goes along with these, this clothing and this mm-hmm. person. And that's what I was thinking about as I was re- reading this too, is we get to put on this identity that, that comes with Christ. We get but it's more even than just playing at it. It's Christ is saying, my life is yours. I've taken up your life. Your life has been swallowed up in my life, and you get everything that's mine. You get all this identity that comes with it. And there's something inviting and, and playful and wonderful about that to think of putting on what belongs to Christ. There is a temptation. I think the bigger the world gets to see our story as insignificant. And I think to a certain extent, that is a, an okay way to think about things, but we are not significant who have been baptized into the life of Christ because, you know, there's not one person who has been baptized into the life of Christ who Jesus didn't have in mind when he took on flesh, and uh, went to the cross. And so I think, I, and that, and invited into his story, right? We who have been baptized are a part of Christ's story. And that is the most important, that's the only story that matters, right? And so I think that there's, uh, I mean, I think humility is good, but I think, especially as we are all sort of <laughs> playing monk right now, right? We're all sort of living in our, in our uh, little monastic cells, uh, it can be easy to feel locked away from the world. But this is a reminder that we've been sort of sewn into the story of Christ. We're part of that 
that life now. And so we do matter. We are significant. And uh, it might not always feel like it, but it's the truth. At least that's what's been handed down to me. Yeah. You know, and as, as you think about, about that, that story, this weekend shared my story of the, my call with, with somebody who didn't know me, you know. How does a farmer from Iowa end up being a, <laughs> being a preacher, you know? And, and so it's, it's right. It's, it's God's story um, played out through me. Uh, and so it's interesting to look at it in that, in that light. It's God putting his story on, on my life and making my life different and showing what and who God is in this world, which is cool. I just also love that Paul says, if you can't, if you're not down with resurrection, then you might as well leave. Like, don't, it's not just a, it's not just a, it's not just a nice idea. It's not a metaphor. It's not like a, I mean, it's wonderful to think about the, the caterpillar who seems like it's dead in the chrysalis, but then, ah, this wonderful idea of, no, Jesus Christ was dead on Friday and, and alive on Sunday. And I just love how Paul just like, for anybody who's thinking about getting into this because they think Jesus is this wonderful teacher you know paul has paul has his uh his sort of thesis statement right there it's all about resurrection yeah you're it's getting something about... good but if you're not getting the resurrection you've been sold short. that's right that's a much more uh gracious way of saying it than I put. that's 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 a very that's a very that's very well put What is Christ's story in you? Mm. And to think about that, and to think about um, how your, your life has been impacted by Christ, and how Christ has used your life to impact others. I've never met somebody who regretted writing down some of their life every day. I've never met like an 80-year-old man who has like 50 or 60 years of journals, he said, man, what a waste of time. You know, it's always like, um, wow, I can't believe, it's sort of, you know, it's like these, it's like these correspondences that you found or, or Paul talking about his story. So I guess one of the invitations I hear in this text is to mark where Christ has felt present, mark where God has felt present, mark where you feel like God has bubbled up to the surface of your life and keep track of those things. Um, and keep track of other stuff too, like especially little dumb stuff, like that time that your, your partner said something really funny or something, or, or a really good zinger, or, you know, but I, just, I think that there's something to keeping track of what's happened in your life and especially where God has shown up. So I'm gonna take your, I'm gonna move that into a, a tangible piece because I like where you're going with that and I like kind of the track we've been on here in in uh, first Corinthians we had a piece that's familiar for weddings we've had a piece that's familiar um, at funerals we've kind of talked about important messages in a person's life so I'd invite you listening to this to just take a moment and if you were to jot down three important moments or messages that have been shared with you in your lifetime that you would want to pass on that you'd want 
friends or family of, of future generations to know, what, what are three events or three important messages that you've heard in your lifetime that you hope um, friends and family for generations after you get to know or how God works in those